Oh, snap. Another one? That's right. We said we were going to do all of them, and we're doing all of them. It's another episode of Talking with Andrew, that's me. Chris, that's him. Oh my god, I pointed the right direction the first try this time. And we're back. We're getting there, man. We're becoming professionals. True. It only took, you know, two seasons and whatever, 50-something episodes, 60-something episodes to get there, but we're getting there. Across three and a half years, but who's counting? Not us, obviously. <laughs> Not us, but actually, you know, that's that's kind of funny because I feel like this whole year I've been counting by starting off and, and f- you know, just hearkening back to the promise we made our viewers of 56 episodes because there are 56 weeks in a year. And guys, this is eight out of eight. Welcome back, I like Andrew said. I think it's 52 weeks, but 56 because that's how much we like them. We're, yeah, we're throwing in four extra weeks for you yeah. guys, if that is the yeah. case, just because we love you so much. Listen, 2020 Honestly, felt like it thing. was really long, so 2021's only going to be four extra weeks long. Yeah, 20... I don't even want to talk about 2020, because I think we have an amazing show for you guys today. True. I'm a huge fan of this guy's music. Mm. It's it's the complete opposite of 2020, let's be honest. It's always super <laughs> bright, uplifting, very positive, very, very happy, so... Guys, we are talking today. Let's not waste any time with Edward of Sunglasses Kid. Edward, welcome to the show, man. Yeah. Hello. Thanks for having me. Nice. Of course, dude. Where are you uh, coming at us from this evening? I'm coming at you from London uh, in the UK wow. uh, from my my apartment there. Nice. In, man. in North North London, if, if you know London at all. But yeah. <laughs> cool. Um, so that's where I'm at. Is there, I do not. Is all there I know a lot is that we had a guest on between, our... Between uh, North and South London? I thought you meant beef is in. Uh, oh no, sorry. <laughs> there's a lot of beef. Sorry. There's a lot of agri- agricultural industry. No, no, I know the word beef. Sorry. Um, there's a little bit of a sort of slight beef. There's a there's like the River Thames, mm-hmm. the famous river in London that sort of is the kind of north south divide. Mm-hmm. And actually, the most of like what you know, like the landmarks of London are north of the river. And there's kind of people south of the river. The the transport system's a little. It's like harder to get in from the south. But yeah, definitely. Anyone if you talk to in the South will say the South's better. And anyone from the North says the North's better. Right. The North ah. is better. How Game of Thrones. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is, yeah. I am North of the Wall. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny, before you joined our chat, I was making a terrible joke about Game of Thrones with Andrew. But, you know, that's kind of interesting, man. Uh, we don't normally kind of ask these types of questions, but I'm curious because, you know, pre-COVID, I think we had a guest or two from London. Actually, our friend Brian of Airways. Uh, I'm not cool. sure if you heard of them. They're kind of like an English rock outfit. I think that's what they kind of go by on their social media pages. And I think that's cool, so I'll say it. And uh, he was actually an American who moved to London, uh, what, five years ago now, Andrew? Something, Something like, that, like that, yeah, five or six. And so he developed this kind of like accent that is the mix between a Midwesterner who's lived in London for a long time but hasn't come home to visit often. But now we got the real deal. So I'm kind of curious, how's it been for you, you know, 2020, COVID and, and all that type of stuff? Was, was your life really that affected? Have you guys been safe? Like, what's it been like over there, if you don't mind? Yeah, I mean, I've, I, I, I like, I actually work a day job, so I, I'm not like a musician full time all the time. So I was going into a, an office. I work in uh, a sort of marketing writing role, and I was doing like the best part of an hour commute because London is very busy in normal times, and so it's like being on the the uh, subway, you know in mm-hmm. peak right. time and so the, the stress of not 
doing that like you were like having this like war to get to work every morning and you've been up for like two hours before you've even started your day and then you're doing on the way home and you're and I'm not doing as much drinking because you know the bars are closed and everything so actually I found like I had more time available to me because I was I was able luckily enough I was able to work from home and keep keep going during the the lockdown so I uh I was able to you know, clock off at five and immediately start composing. So actually, I've, it was twenty twenty was like an incredibly productive time for me, and more kind of opportunities have come out of that. And actually, to sort of help the company that I work for, I've, I've only been working four days a week during that time. So, I've, so in a way, it's been a sort of weird blessing for me. And uh, I've been very lucky with things like getting food deliveries, which is one of the big challenges. That some there was a big disparity across the UK about who could get access to supermarket like supermarkets were doing deliveries but not everyone was able to get on those lists so I've been very lucky and I live in a quite a nice bit of London that I haven't been hit in the way that I know a lot of people have um it's been weird it's been weird and depressing hearing about how parts of Europe have kind of done doing all right and and how we've we're like the number one death rate I think in the world uh the UK but um but I was very lucky as well. In, in September last year, I managed to do a quick flit over to uh, Rome in Italy. I went, I went on holiday with my girlfriend. Just in there, it was like a little window of like it had died down, and then it all ramped back up. But yeah, it's been it's been weird. But I think it has. I yeah, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't know how how much some some countries like Australia seem to be completely unaffected by it, and other places seem to be completely. But I think even depending on where you are in a country, like how how like your how like a well off or your ne- your like neighbourhood right. is, you know, you can be in a country that's that's on paper the whole country is doing well, but you can be in an area that's been affected by, it, and you're seeing that across England, even a country as small as England, you've got parts of England that are really badly affected and parts that are doing better. Right. So it's. Uh, I feel like yeah. that's that's so how haven't... New York is. Like the city is always saying that they're you know they've got a whole bunch of stuff, but we're not in the city, thankfully. So it's it's not as prevalent in our like small town area. Yeah, yeah. I certainly, if I had a crystal ball, I wouldn't have bought an apartment because <laughs> I bought it not not well, like maybe two years ago now. Jeez. I kind of like if I could look back and look at the crystal ball, I'd rather be like in some somewhere out in the country because i think actually you know what you what we didn't foresee was that that the um the pandemic sort of fast-tracked a lot of people's attitudes over things like home working and it's sort of it's it's changed a lot of people's mindsets and especially i think i've said this to other people before that um if you're thinking about rolling the dice or taking a risk or going on oh, maybe i need to you know push myself more to try and make music or whatever creative pursuit i have a kind of full-time gig maybe this is the time to do it when, you know, regular work isn't a guarantee. I mean, it's it's always been going that way. There, there, there used to be a job for life. Now it's like people are having to change work all every, you know, couple of years. And now it's got to the point where you're just like, all bets are off. Do whatever you fucking can to me. <laughs> right. I don't know. Right, that's why it's like no, half totally of the people right. have OnlyFans now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, I've only just I'm only sort of hearing just it really kind of got to grips with OnlyFans, which sounds mainly like it's just a lot of people doing lots of dodgy sex shit on it. Well, you know, it's just yeah, it's, not- it's just kind of putting them all in one spot, really. 
Yeah. <laughs> if anything, maybe it's doing a public service if you if there's one way to think about yeah, it. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> no, nah, man, I uh, I was just curious because, like, yeah, you know, we're in New York, and the New York State has different procedures than Florida and then Arkansas, and it's a whole just thing. But I'm glad to hear you've been safe and you've at least been able to be productive and sort of. It seems like you got something positive out of it. I mean, it's you know. Yeah, yeah, I did. Yeah. So why don't you uh, take us back to sort of you as a musician? I've heard rumors that you're involved in the film world somehow. I've heard rumors that you're a film buff. I know that you love the 80s, but I don't really know too much about you and what kind of like called to you to be an artist in the first place. So one thing we normally like to do on this show at the start when we have a new guest who we're just sort of meeting for the first time is have them take us back. And I mean way back to the start of you as a musician, as a filmmaker? I don't know. Tell us about yourself, man, because I've only heard little whisperings. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know who's told you about the film stuff. I, 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 I mean, I can go, going, like, if I could I could start right, I don't know how way back you want to go, but I guess I, All the I way. grew up in quite, okay, so I grew up in quite a musical house. My mum was a piano teacher and a classically trained pianist and a songwriter, and so I grew up with a grand piano under my bedroom, you know, as a, as a child hearing kids learn to play the piano and I, but she never, she never taught me just because I just, I think she knew I would, I was a bit of a kind of difficult kid, I guess. Uh, but I grew up around, around music and, and then she, she bought like a couple of synthesizers right in the early nineties. So she had a Korg M1 in the house and I started kind of mucking about with that. And then I think when I was about 12 or 13, I decided, I can't remember why I decided I wanted to play the drums. I think maybe a kid at my school, had a drum kit and I decided I wanted to drum and they caved, my parents caved in and bought me a drums drum were kit. so enticing as a kid. And I don't know why I was just <laughs> as enticed. Like I, <clears throat> I guess they're like the easiest thing to play, like straight out of the, yeah, that's true. The, Cause you don't need to learn about like notes them. and keys and all that kind of stuff. It's just yeah. like hit this with your foot and hit this with your right hand and you're good to go. <laughs> exactly. It's, it's not, a, I don't think it's coincidence that when you're giving kids like, you know, you're teaching really young kids right. music. You introduce, start them with like percussion and maybe like percussive instruments like exactly. chime bars or yeah, things. Yeah, because as a, as, as a nine-year-old, require. I didn't care that I was the best violinist in the fourth grade. I didn't want to play the violin. <laughs> well, yeah. And also, I guess, I guess it's interesting because it's a, it's a kind of a weird thing that the, the piano even is not actually cons is considered a percussion instrument because you're striking it and the difference between right, like a piano right. and say uh, a violin is that no skills required to get a perfect C note out of a piano. Anyone can That's do so it. That's so true. Whereas a violin is just, or a guitar or anything, it's like you need some measure of skill to even make a note be in tune. So none of that appealed to me as like a lazy teenager <laughs> who just... Hey, work <laughs> smart, not hard. <laughs> yeah. And so I just, so I started drumming and, and then I was messing about on the piano and and this was in i guess the late mid to late 90s and electronic music was well it was already booming in the uk it had been for some some time but um i was getting more and more interested in like electronic music and like i say I had these synthesizers in the house and my dad had just he'd, he'd he'd retired early and he decided to for some reason i can't remember why he decided to take up audio recording as like a kind of hobby so I suddenly had all this gear in the house as well, knocking about. So I had all these things and I was involved in acting and theatre. So I came from this kind of performing artsy kind of musical sort of family. And the film connection that you've picked up on was only really that I 
again, I didn't really know what I was doing, wanted to do, and I went and I went ended up going to um, to film school. I say film school. It was a university that did. It was a university that was quite highly thought of that did film, and it was sixteen mil. So we were physically loading like Ari SR cameras, doing film shoots. You know, we were dollies and grips and everything, and doing the proper full full works. And I think I wanted at that point. I thought I wanted to be a film director and I guess the person who like the, the thing that happened there at uni which was around I guess the year 2000 was there was a guy called Ingmar who was this six foot Norwegian student there on the course who was a really amazing director long blonde <coughs> hair who who scored his own movies and he was doing this all on a Korg Triton and had a computer and and I was like absolutely in awe of what he was doing and he was He's like, Edward, I can give you uh, this CD with, uh, you know, some software and you can try and do it yourself. And and on it was like cracked copies of like a bunch <laughs> of stuff. And the only thing I could get to make a sound was Fruity Loops, which it was then known as now FL Studio. <laughs> That's awesome. And I started making like beats on like, a, I don't know what version of Windows I was on on my computer I was using to write dissertations on, you know, I was, I was on that and I started making like sort of sampling and breakbeat and things like that and messing about and then I got more and more into the idea of sound design and music with film and and wanted to do that for for I tried to do that for a while and incredibly hard completely untrained totally self-taught and I just um I was a complete failure at it and uh I mean I was actually quite good at composing but I didn't have the there also weren't half the things that there are now that it wasn't you you know you go back to like 2003 youtube didn't exist there was nothing um and then i just got to the point where i was i was in a place where i was just like this isn't gonna work i'm one of the deluded people who thinks they're going to be a film composer and i'm gonna spend so long doing this i'm gonna become an unemployable person who's gonna look back and go i you know i'm gonna waste my life so i caved in and got a regular mm -hmm. job <clears throat> and worked in digital marketing, social media and things like that. And then I was out of work in like 2012 or 13. And I was just making music, just I kept making music, different styles. And I was just flirting around with the style of sort of 80s pop and things like that. And around the same time, the movie Drive came out, which every synthwave artist, you know, <clears throat> will, will point to as a kind of moment where they all went, oh, that's, you know, I'd like to do something like that. And uh, I think for a while, like I wanted to, I sort of flirted around with different styles and I was just, I just literally started making just, just anything and just chucking it out. I was making like a song a day and putting it on SoundCloud and, and literally the name, the artist name that I have was, was literally, I had Korg Wave Station VST open and the, one of the presets that happened to be on the screen was called Sunglasses Kid. It's like the name of an electric piano on the Korg Wave Station. <laughs> That's awesome. And I was just like, well, I, I was just like, I need a name to give myself on SoundCloud because I don't want to use my actual right. name. But I, I had no like game plan. I wasn't trying to make anything out of it. I just was sort of more, I used to be on MySpace when I was doing my film composing stuff. And I guess I was looking to sort of network and MySpace had slightly died. And I thought, oh, this is an interesting place to meet other musicians. It wasn't. I'm going to become an artist and sell music and none of that was the it was really just a kind of just because just to kind of do something 
and it just it, it just sort of happened from there a bit and i just i was just sort of was one of the kind of earlier people to be doing it so there was a bit of a luck of kind of being there first more than anything else but although i wasn't doing the sound that a lot of that's become the kind of mo- i guess the main <laughs> mainstream synthwave looking like a really sub sub genre but like the you know what i mean by the kind of more popular sound i'm i'm clearly not doing that i'm i'm much more in this kind of pop sort of world yeah it kind of totally feel, you got the like, 80s workout vibe exactly i was going to say like <laughs> listening like we've had other synthwave artists on the show that kind of like they have the 80s sounds but it doesn't feel like they're from the 80s it just it like it feels like they're using the sounds to do like modern kind of things but it almost feels like like listening to your albums is like finding an undiscovered artist from the 80s that i was just like how does nobody know about this person like this is crazy that he's gone this long without being discovered but it's because it's from only a couple of years ago well yeah i mean i i've i've kind of part of my i guess some of it is about was still about my lack of like production knowledge or skills and i and i was just kind of and I was also doing it for fun, so I was kind of like, because I got so kind of depressed and and dis- stressed out about the film composing stuff, where I had been trying very hard to write really sophisticated music, and I was doing it to an extent. But when when the synthwave sounds first started evolving, there was people doing this kind of like funky, disco-y, poppy sound. And then there were people doing this more serious stuff that's become kind of like dark wave or this very soundtracky music. And for a moment I thought, or oh, maybe I, sh- I should move, I should be doing a bit of this. Although there weren't actually that many <clears throat> artists doing it when I started doing it. But as that started becoming more of a popular sound, I started thinking, oh, maybe I should pivot into doing something. Now I've got a little bit of a listenership maybe I should try and take this more seriously and do something that actually is a bit more commercial. But it's then started to feel like I was getting back into the same headspace as before, which is this kind of like serious composer. And I just had a, had kind of had enough of that. And, um, and so I guess what I'm doing is when you hear anything I've written, there's actually very little like going on. That's technically clever. I'm not doing, special lots of special effects i'm not doing lots of clever things that you'd need to be a kind of real wizard in in a studio to to understand and do i'm using the kind of standard reverbs and eqs and compressors i'm not doing anything particularly clever there i guess most of it's in the composition we lost oh sorry oh he's back there he is um so i decided to sort of focus on the composing Try and try and kind of do the best I can. So I guess I'm. It sounds eighties. Also, I guess I did sort of start to kind of become. I almost created a bit of a rule book for myself, which was kind of, if you couldn't do it in the eighties, you you can't do it. That's kind of my rule. So anything that anything that like takes you out, anything that just sounds like I can use something now that like, like I'm doing stuff that they couldn't do in the eighties by the fact that I'm running a multi-million pound studio inside a laptop, right? Like this would be a fair light was like a hundred thousand pound synthesizer that the average person didn't have access to. But I'm like all these kind of glitch effects and clever sounds that just did weren't being used in the eighties. So it's like, no, that makes it instantly sound contemporary. And when I'm when I'm like going through sounds and and sort of auditioning ideas and things like that, 
again, I'm like, well, no, no one used that chord progression. They weren't doing it like that. No, they weren't using that sound. That sound sounds too 90s. That's getting a bit too trancey. So I, I spent a lot of time kind of going, auditioning sounds, kind of going, no, 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 yeah, no, that's 80s, but like 70s, 80s, that sounds a little bit disco-y. That sounds a little bit too, right. uh, like 90s. So it's uh, that's how I kind of found the sound a bit. And I'm borrowing ideas from lots of different... Right. Uh, right, I was I was listening to. to with my girlfriend, and she was like, "This sounds like some Paul Abdul, Janet Jackson type of stuff." And then I looked through the the influences one, and I was like, "The third, fifth, and sixth song are Paul Abdul and Janet Jackson." I was just like, "There it is." That's it. I mean, that, like uh, Paul Abdul was the first album I ever bought. Wow, <laughs> that's awesome. That's really cool. It was like about it was about eight or something <laughs> on tape. And my and my and my sister, I think she had Rhythm Nation by Janet Jackson. And I think I just, so I just, I did grow up listening to that kind of R&B influenced mm -hmm. pop as a child. And I was, I was only thinking about this the other day. I was thinking, I almost wanted to tweet about it, but I was like, it's such an esoteric thought that I'll keep it to myself. But I was so, sometimes I'll listen to a pop song now, like an 80s pop song that I knew quite well as a kid. And then you don't listen to it for years. But I remember when I'd listen to those songs as a child and having no understanding of how they've made the sounds. And then as now, like having spent so long producing, I go back and go, oh, it's an 808 cowbell and it's, oh, it's, it's, it's the DX7 or some sort of electric piano and oh, that's a so-and-so. And I now know what those things are. But at the time, they were just these exciting, magical, like, sounds. <laughs> and you're like, How, what, what is that sound? Like, <clears throat> what is, I, I always remember the 808 cowbell really standing out to me. Like New Kids on the Block was the other album, like my second album I think I ever bought. It was like Hanging Tough and like Paul Abdul's first album, whatever. Both have got the 808 cowbell throughout it. And I don't know, just, just a cool sound. Yeah. There's just lots of cool sounds in 80s music. Totally, man. No, I'm kind of, and correct me if I'm wrong, but to me at least, based off of what you've been saying, it seems like I'm picking up on a filmmaker's thought process where, you know, a lot of filmmakers love to pay homage to the greats that came before them. For example, just look at like Filoni in this new Mandalorian series, paying tribute to all those Kurosawa films that inspired him when he was first coming up and getting intrigued with filmmaking. I mean, there's quite literally a shot for shot remake in that episode where we first meet Ahsoka Tano in The Mandalorian to a Kurosawa film. And... Not often do I hear, and maybe I should hear, musicians who are in the synthwave genre that's so heavily paying tribute to a decade, to a time, a specific, very special, in my opinion, type of music, homage coming up a lot. So do you find, even though that maybe this whole composing for film and TV thing didn't quite work out the way you wanted, that that thought process maybe never left? Because I got to say, you're the first person to come on this show and, and think like that. Uh, Totally. I mean... It, I Ironically now, I'm actually working on some, not film scoring, but some, some scoring to picture stuff for a commercial. It's actually some stuff for somebody who is in your neck of the woods. And that's the irony of it was the kind of work <clears throat> I wanted to be doing, which I, which I desperately wanted to sort of come to me in this magical way when I was 20 by just sitting around on MySpace and has ironically come to me through this journey of Sunglasses Kid where I kind of almost let go of this trying hard to be this serious composer and then somehow it came full circle and actually when I was trying to write film music I was trying to run before I could walk I was trying to write the or big orchestral music when I hadn't really got down the fundamentals of writing a three chord song 
so actually sunglasses kid actually kind of put me through a, a bit of a boot camp of like actually how to write a song and then you can almost work your way back to writing orchestral music or film scoring music and take those sort of broad principles and map them into a kind of different palette of sounds but the the film approach i guess yeah i guess there's two there's two things that i suppose i keep my filmmaker hat on for one is yeah obviously the the influences and i mean i don't think that's a particularly like filmic thing that taking influences people do that all the time in music but i guess i think of like the storytelling side of things i quite often will use if i'm talking to other musicians about advice on songwriting i'll quite often find myself drawing on a, like a film analogy or a storytelling analogy of saying um you know like people are too producers musicians are too quick to rush to the sort of the kind of fun decoration and stuff before they've got the kind of main plot like plotted out i'm like your chord structure is your plot get that sorted before you start worrying about like the names of your characters or before you start worrying about this the detail or the title of the movie that's kind of the fun stuff sort of as you've got it fleshed out the hard thing is like what is actually happening in this what is the story of this song so i think i think of songs i think it's a good way to think of like writing a good song is as you're telling a story okay you've got a great intro great how many great movies you got the amazing opening scene and then it doesn't really go anywhere. There's nothing more frustrating than that. And it's the same with the song. There's nothing worse yeah. than this amazing opening. Really well done. You're like, holy fuck, this song's great. And then a minute in, you're going, it's not doing anything different now. It's this, it's, it, it had its one trick and it did it all right in the start. And so I try to kind of keep that kind of storytelling hat on, I suppose, a bit. A movie yeah. for me that comes to mind when you describe a movie like that is Chronicles of Riddick. That movie was <laughs> I, I that movie. I don't think if I've seen that, that movie. It's uh, oh, Vince Vin Diesel. Wait, no, no, no. Hold yeah, on. No, no, no I'm I thinking. I'm no, hold on. I'm thinking of the wrong one. It was a different Vin Diesel one. It was like Babylon A something. A Babylon that AD. Was the I one. still haven't seen that, that one. Either. Starts oh, off, you're like, one. "Wow, so cool sci-fi stuff," and then like 30 <laughs> minutes in, I'm like, "I have no idea what's going on," and then. 45 minutes later you're even more confused i'm just like i think three different people wrote this movie and they didn't read the other parts of the movie <laughs> damn i think it's i think it's like definitely like whether it's a song or a film or a story or or a comedy routine or anything creative coming up with that initial premise that really great initial premise is actually sometimes not actually the hardest part. Not at all. It's the kind of like, and what and what next? Okay, you've got the beginnings of something really good. You can come up with a great hook or a great idea and go, shit, I might be on something. But it's like, can you finish it and not waste it as well? There's nothing worse than having a great idea that then doesn't quite, oh, didn't quite land mm -hmm. or that felt like, and especially if you're you're building up that expectation in the in the listener, like psychologically, they're going. Oh, ah, uh, didn't really. Uh, I wanted it to do something more, and it kept hint. It kept like hinting it was going to do more, and it didn't. So I always kind of try and think of what the listeners psychologically going through as they're listening to a track. Like I'm like, right. what, what they're going to expect a change up here. Then they're going to be getting bored by about this bar. So I need to now do something else. If I don't, this is the moment right. they're going to go. Uh, 
So I always try to keep, I guess, approach it like, yeah, okay, mm-hmm. non-stop kind of non-stop action movie. Right. The only <laughs> but an 80s pop yeah, song. Yeah, I can relate to that with trying to come up with a Dungeons and Dragons campaign. <laughs> like the first idea, I'm like, yeah, cool, you storm a castle or something. That's easy. And then it's like, well, cool. What if they go in the castle and want to go left instead of right? And I'm like, shit. That's <laughs> right. then you're derailing my whole idea, but it's true. That's why you have I lo- I love com- That's why you have the ceiling collapse in. <laughs> yeah. And maybe someone takes a little damage and then they have to go to the right. But I know yeah, what you're trying to say, go, Andrew. I'm go. just sort of kidding around. <laughs> no, I'll write that but, down. Uh, that's a good I idea. I still love I love coming up with ideas for movies. I love Same. Coming, I still do come up with ideas for movies all the time. But I'm like, is one thing coming up with an idea where you're like, okay, what about a movie where uh like memories can be like stolen? And implanted into other people. Maybe it's like an espionage, like spy agency that implant memories and steal right. memories. That's like you're a like, dude, that's so idea. cool. Right? Yeah. What's the plot? What's the actual story, though? I don't uh, know. Just, just there's just, a guy that, stealing it, memories. Right? <laughs> <laughs> there is a lot of there's a lot of distance between that great idea and that and coming up with that final yeah. product. And you you know you take like a Philip K. Dick you know, novel or, or film or whatever, you can see the difference between someone executing a good idea badly and a good idea right. well. And it's then, day, then there's so. the separate issue. You're working on an idea, you get psyched on, it, you start working on it. And then halfway through, you're like, you know what, this idea might be better if we do it a different way. Let me start over, start doing it the other way. And then you start doing it like that. And you're like, you know what, the other way might've been better. And then you just keep going back and yeah. forth. <laughs> yeah. Or some, or sometimes, you know, with this music, you know, you, you can, if you're reliant on technology, which most of us are, you're going to have some f- absolute fail and you've lost the whole project. That's happened to me before. That's and happened to us. It's amazing how you can, you can revive the entire thing from your memory much quicker than you think. You, you go, oh, fuck, I'm never going to be able to remember what the hell I just did. And then somehow you magically do. And in fact, you, you sometimes do it even better because you realize when you actually, t- when you actually are like sitting down composing, the, the amount of time that's actually being spent doing the actual composition isn't as much as you think. The majority of the time is you not knowing what you're doing and think trying to think of it. So you're spending, you know, ages noodling around with ideas. But if you know exactly what you're doing to recreate it when you know where you're going, you can... In fact, I did that for the the, the song on, on my, my latest album called Never Ending Dream. I got really sort of lost in the mi- with the mix and I decided a lot of the sounds were the wrong sounds. So in the end, I just, and this was literally mid mixing it with a guy who I was paying to mix it. I was like, dude, I just, this is just not sounding right. And I just recomposed the entire thing for, mem- for memory in about four hours. Nice. So I just started again going, right, let's just start again with this whole fucking thing with different sounds, different, I think the drums are a problem. I think this, this main synth is, is causing the issue. And I'm just going to start again, clean, clean slate. I've got the vocal. I know, I remember roughly what the chords are. I'm going to recompose the whole thing and do it again because it just, and, and it, you know, like it, like it, the whole thing took me, like say four hours or something because I knew what I was doing. Yeah. I wasn't having to think, think of it for the first time. No, that's so true. I mean, Andrew and I, um, you know, we've 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 had a band. It didn't quite work out. We got in over our heads a little bit. Signed a contract. We didn't we didn't do the whole. Uh, you know, invest in yourself. We were always relying on someone else for another part of the process. But then in demoing one song, which 
I guess we could still use. We're we're kind of you know working on a, a new project as we speak and just keeping the podcast going to stoke our creative fire in the meantime. But I got I got this laptop and because I wanted to upgrade my computer and it was a secondhand laptop and I knew I should have bought new. Andrew noticed this dent in the bottom of it, which was a huge opening that I just didn't notice because I was so blinded by like going from a 2012 MacBook to like uh, you know a 2019. I was like, oh my god, I can have more than four tracks in a Logic session. This is amazing. You know what I mean? And uh, so I didn't properly transfer over my files and we lost a song that we both really believed in. Yeah. But, like you said, when we went and rebuilt the track, it's better than it was the first time. Right. But so not. I don't know if I can remember a feeling so defeating as when you open a track that you're like, yo, this song is so good, and then there's just like nothing <laughs> yeah, there, exactly. and you're like, wait, we worked on this for eight hours yesterday, and now there's just <laughs> the one guitar part that just goes, barely. <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> I think the worst thing is if you're, if you're, I mean, I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm self-taught, and... And I don't even know what chords I'm playing. I don't know what key I'm in. Same. I don't. I just know look I'm at doing. Chris and he tells so, me what to play. <laughs> <laughs> so like, so like if I if I think I've sometimes sometimes like I I'll I'll start from this really like strong simple idea that's super easy to remember, and sometimes it'll be a little bit more complicated. And there'll be moments where, particularly if you have a happy accident. Like you literally hit the wrong chord, but something you go, oh, oh, that's interesting. Oh, yeah, yeah. And you're you're going fuck, record this, and because I'm literally, I'm if I take my hands off the keyboard, I'm going to literally forget what I'm playing right now. So I'll I'll do something, go, and you, afterwards you're going, oh my god, I, if I tried doing this tomorrow, I never would have done this. This was this fluke, lightning in a bottle that you you learn to quickly like kind of spot the moment and try and capture it yes and it's it's losing that kind of stuff that, are, that, that you go oh my god if i lost that which i've done in the past you're going I, I literally cannot remember what i was doing and and if you were like a classically trained or really great you know you you knew all the theory and everything in the moment you could be going well of course i'm modulating from a c major into a d minor and and then i'm augmenting the seventh and la 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 and so you could kind of you've got this roadmap to kind of knowing what you're doing whereas whereas for me it's this kind of intuitive flying blind and and then it's all in it's all in my memory it's all kind of i'm just literally visualizing shapes on keys not yep there's no reference point so it's a bit of a scary right. it's, it's a bit scary sometimes you, i feel like chris 100%. and i kind of have like both sides of that spectrum like i'm the one that's like wait but then it needs to just do this thing where it's like ah Woo, woo, woo. And Chris is like, okay, so like he plays something. He's like, so like something like this, which then should go into this part that goes. And I'm like, maybe, but it just has to feel like this. <laughs> but that's not even. Yeah, but that's not even like I do have some musical training, uh, just because I don't know. My parents were very. Um, they wanted me. They didn't understand music, so they if they knew I wanted to do something, they were always going to be supportive of it. But they were like, get lessons though. And I remember breaking my guitar teacher's heart when I started playing punk rock and stopped, you know, working on my pentatonic or my blues scales. And then all that knowledge I had built up as a younger kid kind of went out the window when you're just playing power chords and trying to sound like the, like Green Day or something. You know, you don't really need much yeah. punk rock to go from, you know, the G to the C to the D and then back to the G. Uh, you know, not much musical knowledge, that is. And so I do regret sort of not sticking with, because I have lost a lot of sessions and a lot of songs, and not been able to figure out or achieve 
in my younger years and some projects, something I wanted to go for because I, I hadn't paid attention to that side of things. But I also think there is yeah. something to muscling it out and letting your ear really guide the process. You know, I have some friends who are great composers, great songwriters, doing really cool things with their music, but they're just so by the book. And sometimes it's a little too mm. processed and a little non-human. And I think you can run into that issue a lot with electronic music. And that kind of makes me want to segue mm. into like you as an artist, because I think one of the mm. things that you do differently that, you know, a lot of synthwave artists... I'd say try to do, but not necessarily achieve. Um, because as much as I love the genre, I think there are is a clone for every amazing artist. There's like 90 clones of that artist. It just happens whenever a genre blows up, and this seems to be what's mm. happening to synthwave right now. But you have a human element, like your your album. Let's start with graduation, right? It's it's. I see that filmic side to you. It's it has that narrative, you know. Uh, Principal Dickland, which is hilarious, by the way. And there's like the whole <laughs> kid, sort of like you know, they're, they're, it's graduation, and I feel that like eighty summer vibe. But instead of having them be instrumental tracks and having them weigh heavily on you know synthesizers and and sounds that aren't really human, you have a lot of guitar, you have a lot of piano, and there's usually a vocal on the track. So like, I'm curious, mm. like your process there, you know, and, and, and if you think the muscling it out thing has kind of lent itself to happy accidents, you know? I mean, I guess, uh, God, um, I, I think like I was doing a lot of the instrumentals at, at the, right at the start. I was doing like going, winding back to when I was talking about this, the kind of early days of just chucking things on SoundCloud. I was doing instrumentals cause I had no, ambition to do anything with any of this and then as i started kind of getting more people listening and paying attention i i decided i would just put in my bio i was looking for anyone who's interested in singing because i just thought it'd be interesting to try and write an actual pop song the more i the more i started kind of i guess because because i was writing in this kind of style that suggested that sounded more like what am I trying to say here? A lot of the a lot of the synth wave is very soundtracky and lends itself to being instrumental in the kind of the, the sort of palette of sounds they're using and the, the compositional structures. What I was doing was using sounds and kind of referencing um, a genre that was only really known to have vocals attached to it. So I was I'm, I'm writing stuff in the sound mm. that sounds like Janet Jackson or sounds like Paul Abdul or whatever. And then I was getting people going, this totally needs vocals. And I was like, it, I'm also structuring it in this kind of verse chorus way. So it started to feel like this missing element rather than, I, so so like I said, I was like, I'm almost approaching them like songs in their structure. So that was what started making me think, oh, maybe I should start reaching out to music singers and vocalists and seeing if anyone's interested. And then... And then the guitar thing was that I I do I I've, I've I always love the guitar and I love writing kind of like funky pop and and ape um, um, fabricating like funky electric guitars super hard to do so I I and I I started to kind of network with people I started finding people who could play guitar and and I thought well this is the one thing that I can't do and also it adds some, it, it sort of elevates the song and makes it feel more like a real song rather than it being a hundred percent, uh, fake sounds. Um, and so I guess I, and, and no one else was doing it either. There was, a, I say no one else was doing it, but less people were doing collaborations in, in the way they are now, less songs were, were having vocals on it. 
um, back then. So I felt like, again, oh, maybe I'm doing... This was when I was starting to think a little bit strategically. I was like, oh, maybe there is something in what I'm doing. Maybe I should take this a bit more seriously now. People are kind of asking me or suggesting to doing it. And singers were DMing me saying, hey, I'd love to sing over that thing. And there's one particular guy, this... this um, R&B singer out of Miami who 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 was the first person to sort of DM me go I really love what you're doing and I was like really and he's like let me sing over it I was like I mean okay I, I yeah all right and I sent him this thing and he came back and he transformed it and I was like oh my god this sounds like an like an hour like an actual song I, I was like dude that's amazing what you've done I didn't even uh I couldn't even imagine you know it becoming this this thing that you've transformed it into and I think that was the moment where I was like adding that that top line vocal adding guitars or anything can like transform something and i and i just found it kind of it was almost like alchemy or something it was always like this amazing moment where as i just i just i saw i saw the kind of and again going back to the film is is again growing up starting starting from this kind of working in a creative art form that is about collaboration and that, that the no one person can achieve it is your your sort of it's it's everyone coming together so God, I've, I've completely just waffled here. This hasn't made any sense what I just said. No, no, I, <laughs> um, I'm following you. I think that's where it's, I think the, 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 the human stuff has come out of, I guess, my, my kind of constantly collaborating with people and not being precious about it, being, being happy to kind of then let go of the song and let other people start to kind of affect it and, and do their Give, add their kind of voice to it as well um, and I think that's the best way to collaborate with singers I was saying this only the other day in a, in a chat with someone that the, the worst thing I think you not the worst thing but the I think it can be a danger to get too prescriptive with musicians or singers to start telling them the exact notes they need to sing the exact thing they need to do because um, then, then it's you're not letting them add their kind of voice and you're starting to kind of and then you end up with the same melodies as well you're like i'm like i love just giving it over to someone like my and you're like or tim capello and you're like i don't know what they're gonna do they've got the broad note of do something cool here here and here <laughs> this is the general vibe and then and then it's kind of like opening a christmas for you like what the fuck's it gonna be like sometimes you're like oh okay and sometimes you're like oh God, now this sounds massive. This sounds so cool. So I, I really love that. Um, so yeah, but you can't be a control freak if you're going to do that. Right. You otherwise you'll just get stressed Absolutely. out. Totally, man. In that process, do you uh, do, do you, you so you're letting them go off and create and do their own thing and put their stamp on on something that you kind of built from the ground up. But do you sometimes feel that maybe it's not the right vibe, and do you ask them to do like a second, third, fourth take? Um, like right when I first started doing it, I was having a lot of, um, I'd have somewhere, particularly with vocalists where it just didn't work out. They just weren't hitting it. And I would be like, yeah, this isn't quite working out. And sometimes I just meant it meant shelving the entire song. I just decided I kind of almost was too embarrassed to say look, this, this isn't working out. So I was like, I just let let the song sort of drift and then nothing would happen with it. Um, and so I learned like the kind of two, one of the big things is, is picking the right person in the first place and kind of knowing that they can deliver rather. And sometimes you can take a risk and get lucky. And sometimes taking a risk is actually not a great 
it's not a good thing to do. So over the years, I guess I've I've developed like contacts with people who I just know can play well, and I know I know they think I know they know what I think, like what I'm sort of thinking. So it's almost it's more kind of knowing rough that they get they get what you're doing. Sure. Uh, that the singers are a higher risk because there's there's a there's a number of different subjective things going on there if they're writing the top line and performing it and recording it there's a load of like vectors for problems one is like the recording quality one is the performance quality another is the lit the melodic content and then the other is the lyrical content so there's all these places where you like could be a great recording great performance really great melody but the lyrics are very weird or it could, or shit. Yeah. Or it could be lyrics are fantastic. Love that. The melody is very repetitive, and I've done that. I've I've given that those notes a bit to some people. Some people I've had to, like I say, I've kind of almost. You'd kind of know if it was going wrong because I almost wouldn't. I wouldn't bother kind of trying to salvage it. That with um, I hope she won't mind me saying this. With with again mentioning Never Ending Dream, Megan McDuffie, she had one lyric in there at one point. That I just subjectively didn't like, and I said that I, I gave a nice, nice way of saying it in that I was like, uh, "It's I'm not sure if it's quite fitting in with the rest of the the vibe of the track. It's not sure it's quite working. Could we try something else here? Maybe, maybe something like this." And I gave a lyrical alternative suggestion. I said, it "Doesn't have to be that, but sort of in the ballpark of that." And she just switched this one bit out, and. And in fact, actually, Megan was the person we a b. Actually, she she gave me like an earlier, like melody, like take, and said, "What do you think of that?" And I and I and my my honest feeling was it felt quite repetitive, and I was and I didn't it didn't feel like it was going anywhere melodically. So I said, "That sort of in the right ballpark is a great start." There's something I feel like it's maybe getting it's a little bit repetitive. Could we try and vary up here and here? So again, I'm not like saying here's how I want you to solve the problem, but I'm just saying here's here's the sort of puzzle now for you. I think this needs to evolve more, so it, it needs to do something different. So again, it's it's the skill of kind of there's a skill in communicating with 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 artists and musicians in in doing it in like a positive way that doesn't start. I think you've just got to decide, am I going to write the top line or am I going to ask someone else to write the top line? And, and, uh, yeah. So, yeah. Um, and so, yeah, sometimes it's just, dis it's, and with guitarists it's easier because you could maybe just edit out parts. You could mm -hmm. just start almost treating it like samples. So not everything they do, they do maybe gold. Right. Like cutting up a loop. You could even maybe yeah. Cutting up a loop or something like that. It's just vocals. You just don't, you can't quite like, Great, just give me loads of random vocals, and I'll just comp them all together into like a like a fucking top line that you didn't sing. This doesn't doesn't work like that. Kind of like you're a director in a doesn't. sense, you know that that filmic side kind of keeps yeah, coming yeah. back to your music. At least as far as what I'm getting out of it. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, I think, and I, and I and I and you see that, and I've been on sets or I've been involved in plays and things where you have overly like micromanaging directors. Who are like, yeah, maybe not like so much like that. Maybe, maybe they, and they're literally going up on the stage and going, maybe they just take the cup, but you know, they don't hold it like this and they like kind of do like, and they're getting really like precise about the note rather than going, 
maybe there's a way you could show that you're more nervous about this person who's just walked into the party. Maybe there's something around you you could use to sort of visually show that and, and help them come to the get get their own ideas. And also importantly, they may come up with something better than your shit mug idea. Do you see what I mean? Yeah, so yeah totally. Of, I understand that. It's, it's like playing with your strengths. Is that kind of like how you go about your live show too? Or do you kind of just like set up your live show and then whoever's performing with you, you're like, here's what we're doing this time around? I, I, I mean, I, like I've not really done... In all honesty, I don't really, I don't really consider myself like a live act. I've done a handful of gigs in my in my time. I know maybe as Sunglasses Kid, shows. Yeah, Sunglasses Kid, and I've had I've had I had S J Bravo, who's sung on a few tracks. I had him um, perform. I had him come and perform with me live. Uh, Twenty nineteen. And again, he 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 sort of set, he did guitars over some songs that he hasn't sung over, and he sung on he sung on some songs. Uh, but generally, I'm on my own, so I'm not really directing anyone, and I just I I have a live kind of setup where I strip out like some of the main parts of the songs and I play them back in. Cool. Um, like the main again with like the filmic thing, the storytelling thing. I guess the structs. I, I think a lot about structure, and I think a lot about like what emotions are going through people's minds during a during a show. You're like, right, what's the first song? Okay, what was the energy of that track? Am I going to need to keep this energy up now? Where am I sitting within the the lineup, the set? What's the kind of vibe of the whole night? Who else is around me? And so. I try to not. I try to make it all filler and no killer. So I don't. I don't, I've got lots of songs that you just can't dance. You just really don't. They're not very dancey. So I just. I just try and make everything dance energy and just. Yeah, it's not. I don't know. Cool. I don't have much. Yeah, I do. Yeah, it's mainly the, mainly the structure, the playlist structure of it that I think about the most, and and kind of the moments within that set. And try to try and make there be not a boring moment in it. I just think boring people is the the cardinal sin as an artist is just don't be boring. I couldn't agree more. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> just put on so, a show. Exactly. So before we uh, let you go out of here, I, I, I do want to sort of have you yeah. speak to your two records. Uh, you know, graduation and, and sophomore. Mm-hmm. Um, there is sort of something. There's a film equality to it, as I think is kind of the the sentiment, at least for what, for what I've been getting out of getting to know you, is that even though you are a musician first and foremost, um, all types of art seems to affect and influence you, and and certainly with like the little narratives, uh, more so in the first record, graduation, but also sophomore, you know, that first track kind of harkens back to the feel and the sort of emotional storytelling quality. And it's the same of the principle, first record. right? <laughs> I love that. I love that character, man. That's hilarious too. It feels so Ferris Bueller in a sense to me. And so, I just want your take on those two records and your approach to them, and and kind of like how you think they turned out, and just anything you could tell us about those albums, man. Um, yeah. I mean, I guess I, I, yeah, I did. I Ferris Bueller is very much a reference that you've picked up on, and I think I. I just I did I just discovered this love of like I guess eighty like I say eighties movies, and and synthwave was is all, all clearly homaging eighties movie love of eighties movie soundtracks, but a lot of it is these is this more sort of carpenter brutey serious stuff, 
and part of and one of my kind of approaches to sunglasses kid was like yeah but there was a whole other genre of 80s movies out there that were fucking brilliant that didn't have any of this moody stuff it was all electric pianos and cowbells and all this kind of fun funky silly stuff which is what i want to kind of investigate and and i think i just i think with graduation it was just um yeah i had very much had this idea of of a kind of not quite a concept album, but I wanted it to feel <clears throat> like there was a cohesion across across the album. And because I was collaborating with so many different people and because I was almost sort of doing sl- slightly different genres, different styles within that, each each song is slightly different. I guess I kind of approached it, it was like, okay, what, what can I do to kind of create a f- sort of form of co- cohesion across it? And also I guess this was also as social media everyone's social media games were becoming stronger in terms of marketing so i did i did have a slight marketing hat on as well this sounds that sounds really like kind of corporate but part of me was like coming up with a sort of package that people can get get their kind of heads around or they can sort of imagine themselves in this world or something and i even went as far as thinking like if someone was writing a review of this song they could almost say they could talk about graduating or it, it comes, it lends itself to like ways of thinking and word use like high school. It, and also everyone can relate to high school as well. So I just, there was something about that world. And I love movies like St. Elmo's Fire is one of my favorite 80s movies and Bueller and Breakfast Club and all those things. But um, so I'm trying to think, I'm trying to think what I, what, what I can really add to this conversation. I'm trying to think what, what, what sort of, if you got anything you particularly like specifically wanted to know Yeah, I have about. another question for you in regards to that. You know, having <laughs> the vocals on the tracks and whatnot, uh, not that I, because um, I also kind of got the same vibe and hearing you speak about it, where it wasn't necessarily a concept record and not that I ever thought that, but there is sort of like a theme to it and I actually think it's really, it's nice. I think it separates you in the genre, but aside from all that, how much direction I'll say, do you give to the narrative of the songs that you send these singers off to work on for the albums? Mm. Yeah, so I, not not much. I th- I think I think a lot of it is that I'm giving people fairly close to finished songs. So and I and I'm trying to do a lot, sell a lot of the narrative in the song. The the, the, the instrumental sort of gives you a lot of cues and clues as to what the vibe and what this is referencing and and hopefully if the singer kind of knows or a bit about 80s culture they're going to kind of get where you're going with it and I'll, I'll usually when I'm sending them over an audio file I've given it like some working title although I was saying this to someone the other day I was saying that sometimes is a kind of it's a good and bad thing to give them a working title because a lot of singers that I've sent over, you know, these demos, and I've given it a title like "Can't Hide." Right, Miranda Carey. I sent her over a file called "Can't Hide," and I and I would have said something in an email to her. I would have said something along the lines of, "Hey, Miranda, uh, wrote this track with you in mind." So I'll often start with sort of emphasising that I've thought of you. This is this is kind of written a bit for you, and um, and uh, see what you think. Obviously, it's a sort of Paula, Janet, Jay kind of vibe, whatever. I'll say something like that. Um, doesn't have to be called Can't Hide. Don't have to reference that. 
and but but yeah see what you see what you come up with that's kind of the level of direction that i'm giving someone like miranda carey uh and then she came she came back with lyrics that were like can't hide going on about can't hiding because she she just latched on to these two words the title that i'd given her so sometimes i think back i go if i called this song something completely different as a working title would it what we would have had a whole completely different song mm-hmm. and i and i just and usually it's like some like lyric that starts just coming in my head whilst i'm writing i'll just be like can't hide i can't hide or something like that and i'll just be like oh i call it can't hide for for now don't know what it's actually going to be called at the end of the day and so a lot of songs ended up with those like with those titles because i just used them as a working title gotcha but something like uh like fixing me with love primo the alien I sent her, I deliberately, I did, I was like, you must remember not to give it a work, a working title that sounds like the title of a song, unless you actually want them to use that because whatever you tell them, they may, they may take that as an inspiration point. <laughs> so I think I sent it over as like funky pop beat one. <laughs> so something that I know she right. can't <laughs> make lash onto. Totally. So I really gave her like a truly blank yeah. slate. Um, and, and interesting with sophomore, Completely no plan. Everybody decided to write about relationships, and everyone had either got the word love or heart in every other song. So I was saying, like, how everyone's got like one's fixing me with love, um, one's called like um, cold hearted, one's called listen to your heart, one's called stranger love. There was all these. Uh, stranger love was another one where when I when I sent it to Wally, I, I gave it the title Strange Love. And I was just thinking of strange... I, I literally set out. It was like a sort of afternoon experiment. I was bored. I was like, I'm just going to write some just bog standard synthwave shit. And I'll call it Stranger Things or Stranger Love or something like that. That's literally why I said Stranger. Sent it over to Ollie and when he when he he, um, he reached out to me saying, oh, I like, I like that. I said, well, obviously I've called it Stranger Love. Obviously don't, don't like call it Stranger Love because, you know, everyone will tell us we're ripping off Stranger Things and it's... You know, we can't call it that. And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he comes back and he's called it strange. <laughs> That's and, awesome. Um, That's true. So again, it was, it was, it's again, it's kind of, um, so I guess I am sort of directing it and I'm giving people, but again, that's why I'm, I guess it's, it's that world building that you might be doing as a brand or as a, you're doing it as a brand as well. So on your social media presence, you're sort of saying, this is who I am. This is the world I inhabit. This is the kind of, this is who this artist is. And so if you're, because you're not only are you talking to fans, but you're talking to, you're, you're, you're talking to other musicians. You might be fellow collaborators. And so if somebody who's a ne- the next potential singer, let's say, who I'm, like I'm talking to a couple of people right now who found me through Instagram, who are interested in singing, you know, working on songs. They already, if they've spent more than five minutes on my Instagram, they've already kind of got the world and understood the headspace that I'm in. So it's acting like this like live mood board, which is always what I said to what me and Ollie would always say was it's, it's like I'm using Instagram like this sort of mood board to share ideas and go, right, here's the visual references. Get your head into this sort of world, into this sort of space, because this is where we're going right. if you're working with me. And... um so I found I've always tried to use social media both not only as a marketing tool but almost as a kind of like a world build, building tool, like an extension right. of of uh, right. the world. That's interesting. Yeah. I was going to ask you about when <clears throat> you know you decide on like the theme of an album because it 
seems like, like listening to the albums it seems like there's all like they all fall under you know the theme of the the first track with the skit and everything but then hearing you talk about how you write music it's like it just comes to you almost randomly and just when inspiration strikes and stuff so like when does it get from just these songs that you're making with all these other artists to okay here's the the album that has this theme and this you know direction i i mean i wouldn't i'd love to say it's as controlled as that i mean it's more about kind of generating lots of ideas and then throwing things out and select it's sort of like the editing process and then going and then the more the more the more songs you're you've got or you're then maybe you're sort of zooming out looking at a collection of tracks going okay we've got all these tracks here some are in a half finished state some are some are definitely good. Like, oh, yeah, that that definitely that's a definite keep. Some you're like, I don't know if that's got potential or not. Then you're zooming out and looking at them all in a kind of big context of going. Well, now I've I was saying this to someone the other day was like, well, now I've upped the ante on this one. Now I've made now this sounds really good. That track I thought was good needs to go because it just doesn't. It's not. It's gonna. It doesn't stand up to this one. So there's a quality control thing as much as anything else. So it's it's just about like. Um, I think that's why I'm judging it mainly on is not does it fit into like a theme it's more does it is it a good song or not and I guess there are sometimes there's kind of I'm going that doesn't really sound like me that sounds like I've gone too far away from the 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 ideas and the thing that people have fallen in in love with like and I'm not and I I think there's a there's something to be said for like changing up your style as an artist and uh but there's doing it deliberately and there's doing it accidentally mm. um so true yeah, that makes sense no no uh so i try i try to kind of like just keep make sure like i, I just want to go does it feel coherent and also as, once you've got your like 10 11 tracks are they all they all them they all sound the same are they they're different energies like okay if i've got this amazing big track at the start that's really high energy can i keep it up again like that like i was saying about that op- the opening the intro of the the, the premise the story if it's like an album it's like okay you've got one good song at the start but are you setting yourself up for a fall now that you've got the expectation what's the next one gonna do is it just downhill from here on in because you've only got one good song so i try to kind of i'm always again like trying to think of the guy overall right kind of picture and what, what people are kind of going through. At the same time, though, no one's listening to whole albums anymore, are they? Just consuming <laughs> no, I, I feel that. trying I think, to, but... Yeah, I think you're lucky enough to be in a genre where people actually still do. Um, but so before we... Because we don't want to eat up too much more of your time, although this was really awesome and, and really enlightening. Thank you for sharing so yeah, much sure. about your process. Um, I just wanted to let you know real quick about how Andrew and I discovered you. Uh, we were... I think it was about... <laughs> 2018 so roughly three years ago now andrew and i were just hanging out probably from working on a song taking a taco bell lunch break uh, or something like that and i was just i think i was driving so i was like andrew pull something up you were driving me home oh i was driving andrew home yeah and and i I told him to pull something up i wanted to show him he pulled up the wrong thing spotify fed us your song night swim and he was like hey man this isn't the song and i was and he's like do you want to do you want me to keep this on i was like yeah keep this on this this is awesome uh and honestly and and also (laughs) What were you trying to I don't know, to but he tries to remember. he tries to show me so many synthwave songs, and like eighty percent of the time, I'm like, bro, this sounds just like the last one you showed me. Like, 
whatever. And then like I accidentally <laughs> put on Night Swim and I'm like, I mean, we could definitely keep this one on. This one's Yeah, we were cool. both like, keep this on. I was like, who is this? And yeah. it's funny because that was kind of an interesting introduction to your sound because right. it's just an instrumental track, which you and, don't have too many of. Right. And it was such a cool, well, like well, the artwork it, and everything was just like, damn, this is all just so together. And like, he seems like he's got it figured well, do, out. Do you know... Yeah, well, do you, do you know what what why 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 that song exists is because I was uh, a guy reached out to me who was like an indie game developer, saying, "Hey, I'm making a game called Summer Camp that's inspired by Friday the Thirteenth. <clears throat> we want like an in-house kind of radio thing, like the GTA Radio. We want like kind of retro music, uh, which would be interested." And I was like, "Yeah, sounds cool, sounds fun." Then he disappears and doesn't talk to me for ages and i'm like well that's just you know one of the crazy people who offers me something on the internet and then they disappear he comes back to me going hey sorry i've been out of uh action the reason um is because we've had a load of development and warner brothers have been interested in turning our little indie game into an official friday the 13th game so that that song night swim was that he actually commissioned me to write that for a trailer for um the nights the um friday the 13th online multiplayer game that they've that exists oh really that game and so that's actually really <laughs> cool. that's awesome so there was it was an actual it was an actual like i think it was one of those um like downloads like it was like a download thing it was like advertising swimwear if you go on youtube and, and google like um friday the 13th um i think it's called spring break spring break dlc it was like doing all these like swimming costumes and stuff and so the visuals are like, so I scored it to to actual like picture. The visuals are like, it starts off with like a woman swimming in Crystal Lake in like a bikini and then everyone gets so like slowly murdered. But I had, I had to write that fucking song so fucking fast. <laughs> and my own, my own, I, um, I convinced the guys, I was like, this needs an electric guitar. I know a guy who, 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 um, did something for me on graduation. He, he's going to cost this. Can we do it? Yeah. My own, uh, manages to, he says, I've, he, he gets around to, to kind of doing the guitars and says, yeah, they, I'm going to have them done by the end of the week. And the game developers, the game the game guys are like, um, we've just had this amazing news. We, we can have this game trailer um, screened at NAM, I think it was called. It's some massive gaming festival, but we need the song like now. And then, and then almost as soon as I get that email, I get an email from my own gang. Hey bro, sorry to go. Well, here's the guitar stems, oh and I literally just took them out of the out of the Windsor for a while, and dropped them into Keybase, and 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 just and and was almost hitting export without even checking what he'd done. <laughs> and I, just, I quickly was like editing it. I just I just cut it together super quick. Did the most most basic mix, and then uh, zipped it over. And I'd already sent them because it was so to the wire. They said, don't worry about the guitars. So I, I sent them an instrumental version and then a version with Myron's guitars on it. And I was like, I don't even know which version is going to end up being screened at this right. massive like thing. And they eventually, they did get the, they, they screened the Myron version. And then I went back and like tidied it up and did it into an extended uh, track. And we, we did a deal with them where we could still kind of be allowed to like stream it. We just couldn't call it Friday the 13th. We weren't legally allowed to say it was a song for the game or wow. anything like that. Um, so that it became called night. It is, it's called night <clears throat> because, because of this on this kind of referencing wow. the, the uh, Friday 13th 
Um, That's amazing. And then the artwork was just. Really That's well, a great story. But, wow. Yeah. That. What. What, what was he going to say about the, one, the final thing? No, Sorry, no. You no, take I'm all your time, man. Taking us over the time limit, but um, we're worried about keeping you. So go you, ahead. What, <laughs> oh well, no, no worries. Uh, when you said about, um, you know, sometimes defer, you try an idea and then you go, oh no, that's not working. You go to another idea and then you go, actually, no, the first idea was good. I, I literally the first the first thing I did when when I pulled up the video, I just I started a click bit click track and and sort of said okay it's gonna be like a like that and i just literally opened an electric piano and went dun 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 like that and i went oh that's cool and then i was, and then i thought well, this is too easy i haven't just hit the idea in the fur literally the first three chords i've played down that can't be it so i played around with loads of shit and then came back and just goes nah i was the first thing i did the very first thing i instinctively did is the thing to do keep going with that that's the thing don't don't waste any more time you've got four days to do this yeah uh and then and then i was like my Rome will will then bring it to another level he'll add something over it and make it sound even more yeah. impressive and that'll do um and that's why i love writing to briefs and and almost sometimes to, to deadlines as well because it it like forces you you, you can go you've got all these options but you go i i cannot explore these this is not the luxury of time and you're just you laser in and 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 uh sometimes that's when you're right most well i mean i think it worked out because according to spotify it's your second most popular song under strange love yeah. so <laughs> seems like seems yeah, like it worked well, out think, pretty well i think i do get a lot of people who know know about it because of friday the 13th and I do, I do kind of sometimes go, oh, maybe I should be doing more instrumental stuff. And and I was, and I kind of was flirting recently with the idea of maybe, maybe there's an EP or an album between another album that I just do instrumentals because it's a shitload of work. It's a lot of work collaborating with people. You're adding in so many variables for things to go wrong and losing so much control, and it's hard. But then, I guess that's what people like about it as well you're giving you're getting kind of lots of different artists lots of it's almost like a compilation album or yeah. something there's this you know yeah something in there for everyone <laughs> no very true man <laughs> see sometimes people, people will often say that in the comment there's just something in there for everyone if you don't like this one you'll like that one or well um, uh which makes you sound like i'm just trying to placate the mob. well i mean i would think at least at least listening to the most recent album that there is something on there for everybody at least everybody who enjoys the 80s true yeah at the very yeah. least and um, i think everyone's going to enjoy this episode i mean the, <laughs> well, i hope so i mean the one thing about about uh strange love again the other thing i was gonna say about the approach to anything is that because like i said because i'm aware that what i do isn't entirely strictly synthwave with with strange love it's definitely the most synth wavy song on the album it's the one that feels and sounds like stuff you recognize in the synth wave genre and there is this cynical part of me does often go you need to have at least one synth wavy track in there because this is sort of your audience is you know this is how you've got to where you are and and also um it's the one whatever you make the most synth wavy track is the one that's most likely to get put into playlists like synth wave playlists to be cynical so you know if if, if like i know i knew i was like well strange love is the one that's going to get put into any synth wave playlists and then that acts as a bit of a gateway 
drug to get someone over to me to my album and then someone goes oh there's gonna be loads of strange love no it's all janet jackson paula abdul 80s funk shit and you're like what it's a bit like the night swim track where you must have been like oh the rest of his album isn't anything any of his music isn't totally. anything like this well, but in the, best, like, in the best way it was the best just, type of surprise yeah. it's just like in movies when actors they say they they do one for them and then one for me where it's like one for them is like a movie like the smurfs and then one for you is you know that indie film yeah. that you really wanted to make so you give them yeah. the strange love so you can put out the 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 skits yeah. and the really 80s pop workout songs yeah it's like Scorsese. I'll give you, uh, I'll give you Cape Fear and The Color of Money if I can also give you the uh, Last Temptation. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or The Irishman. Four hours. I mean, you know, um, totally, man. No, this was an absolute blast, dude. Thank you again for yeah. carving out some time to chat with us. Uh, Andrew has one final question oh, for so you, much. if that's all right. It's kind of a set question yeah. we ask every yeah, of guest. Course. So. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, before we let all of our guests go, we like to ask them if. You had to describe yourself as an artist, a creative musician, producer, whatever you want to put under your umbrella. Mm -hmm. If you could describe that with one word, and then you can elaborate afterwards on why that word, but pick one word to describe yourself. We would love to know. One word? Fuck. Do other artists take a long time to think of that? Do they, how, how many people have just gone and given you Maybe a lot people. of them have Give been firing at the hip right away, pretty... but... <laughs> At the, I feel like lately they've been firing it out at the hip, but when we started this, everyone always always took a little time. And we can edit out a pause, you know? Yeah. Um, if we have to. I guess... I guess positive... <laughs> you don't seem very positive about it. <laughs> I don't feel very sure about it. And like I'm like, if it's like a word that sums up my like, if it's like a word that sums up like the vibe, I would say something like candy or pop or fun or teen or something or fun or something. But then, it, and it, but if it's like a atmosphere, if it's like kind of the vibe, then I guess it's like positive. Right. That's that's kind of the thing that I kind of, I guess trying to keep things fun. I fun. Right. That's just shit. The most beige word. No. <laughs> fun. Listen, we've fun. got, we've got <laughs> determined, you know, we've got perseverance, you know, I think someone said musician. I mean, the whole oh, thing is like, we're, the last we're putting one, you the on last the spot. One we had, so yeah. We the know last, what we're doing. I think the, the last episode was two people and they said songwriter and performer. And it's True. like, yeah, you know, I guess. Yeah. <clears throat> I, th I think maybe it is fun because I think, that it was it was it was definitely something again not to sound critical of the the synthwave world which is something i started before we went online of saying the one thing i don't want to get into is my opinion of other artists but the one thing i did i do find a little bit with this with the synthwave uh genre is it's it seems very it, it's really kind of in the last sort of three four years distilled into exploring conceptually this sort of dystopian 80s cyberpunky narrative a lot and it's all got quite doomy and gloomy and for me i was always the thing i always loved about the 80s as a kind of pop culture thing and movies and fashion and everything was just how fun and like cool and positive it all felt and so i kind of and like i said it was almost born out of that kind of depressing state that i got myself into with the film scoring stuff of moody and music must be this horrible 
dark thing that I'm struggling and fighting for and it needs to be this intense experience and kind of going, or it could just be something fun and maybe we need to, you know, I just, I, I just, part of me was kind of reacting to feeling like, where'd all the good pop songs go? Where'd all like the fun pop songs go? There was, there was a, a fun pop banger came out every week in the 90s and the 80s. And then the 2000s, it just, it all sort of stopped. And I, maybe that's me tuning out a bit of pop culture, but I'm like, where's Barbie Girl? Where's the Barbie Girl song? Like a really well-written, like fun pop song. And so I think that was it. I just thought, I was yeah. like, there's entirely enough moody music it's, out there. I'm, I'm going to do something. It's funny because I feel like that happened not just in Synthwave, like what you're describing now. It's like the 80s and 90s was all like the, the pop the upbeat dancing around pop and then you got to the 2000s and it was all like the singer songwriters like michelle branch and vanessa carlton singing about like breakups and like getting kind of moody it wasn't really you know like slow and like really sad it was they still had some upbeat stuff but it was definitely a like a tone shift to just kind of like the i'm sitting down with my acoustic guitar and really putting it out there yeah and there's totally a place oh yeah, I love it. that stuff. And, I, and I'm a con- I'm a con- I'm a consumer of like moody music, totally. <clears> but <throat> I think I don't know. There was something liberating. And like when I started doing it, it was like because I wasn't taking it seriously, because I wasn't beholden to anyone, and wasn't. And I, you know, it's like my attitude was literally: I've let go of the idea that I'm going to be famous. I've let go of trying to be a success. I'm not trying to do anything. This is a fucking hobby. So now everyone can leave me alone and I don't need to prove anything to anyone and I can do something entirely for me. And that was where I started it. And then as people started listening and enjoying what I was doing, I, I start, did start to think about the listener a bit more and what they were wanting out of it. But no, any song I do, anything I sit down and write, I always have a moment where I'm going, I, I need to do something to make this a bit kind of more fun. And there'll be a moment where I'm like, could I get away with an orchestral hit? You know, I remember the moment where I was like, could I, can I get away with that? And I would try and have that, I try and keep that mindset every time I write a song. I want to have, I want there to be a moment where I go, what's my, can I get, did I, what's the, the, uh, the can I get away with it moment? Where like, like you listen to a song and you go, oh my God, right, you got away with it. Right, where's the line? And fixing with, yeah, well like fixing me with love, with, with um, Primo. There's a, the, the, it's a really small moment, but there's a, on the second verse, there's like a, there's like a woof, it's like a woofing percussion. It goes, whoop, 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 which is like the cheesiest shit sound. And I accidentally hit it. I was running, I was auditioning through a load of percussion, just trying to think of, I was like, it needs something here. I went, whoop, whoop. I was like, oh my God, that's such a stupid sound. Could I get away with that? <laughs> like what like and and i and it's like so minimal it's minimal but it's like it, and i always think i bet that's a moment people wouldn't would notice and like kind of enjoy because he's like oh my god he dared to do the, that that thing so i try and always have like a little thing like that in every track that i um nice. oh yeah man that's awesome yeah. dude this we we did it man sunglasses kid we did it you yeah, did yeah. It. that was great, dude. Appreciate it. A lot of cool Thank tidbits, you. a lot of insight into you and, and your process. And um, I'm really yeah. looking forward for people hearing this. I hope they enjoy it as much as I did. Um, before we let you go here, where can the people find you? Where, where can they support your music? Where can they keep up to date with everything Sunglasses Kid? And and what's coming up next? Uh, well, what's well, uh, what's coming up next? At the moment, I'm kind of in a 
like I said, I'm doing a few kind of commercial bits and pieces away from the Sunglasses Kid name, but I am, uh, I'm, uh, I'm mean, at the moment. I'm kind of regathering my thoughts about what the next, what the next album is going to be, what the next track's going to be. Um, we've just had a reissue of Graduation on vinyl, and for the first time ever, you can buy it on tape and CD. And sophomores are also out. At the moment, on vinyl, tape, and CD, uh, the easiest way to get that, the only way to get that, I think, is on my Bandcamp. Uh, quickest way to find that is just Google Sunglasses Kid Bandcamp. And I'm on all social media channels, although I'm most active on Instagram under the name Sunglasses Kid Music. Um, so, yeah, that's it, that's it, really. There's no there's no major at the moment. There's no major kind of um, uh, imminent music coming out. I think I'm at this moment where I'm sort of reevaluating the sound and sort of thinking, where can I go next? Where do I want to take it next? Because I don't want to just put out another bunch of music that sounds exactly like what I've done. So I want to kind of spend a bit of time doing some some research and development into where the sound is going to go next. Oh, yeah, right. man. Well, Guys, in the meantime, and- yeah, in the meantime, go follow him, go listen to his newest album. It'll get you moving around for sure. Totally, totally. <laughs> Dude, um, we're going to throw you to the, the lobby. If you got a jet, if you got a... Work on something, no stress. Um, if you want to stick cool. around, that's cool too. But thanks again so much for your time, man. We had a, we had you. an absolute blast chatting. Right. Yeah, we'd love to have you back soon. Cheers, Cheers guys. Man. I would love Sweet. to come back. Thanks very oh, much yeah, for having me. That was awesome, Andrew. Yes, I would had have really, to agree, Chris. I had a really good time with that. Uh, thanks again to Edward for coming on the show, telling us all about Sunglasses Kid. I mean, we knew the music. Yeah. Now we know the person and the face behind yeah, it. Yeah, was, it was so cool because like, I feel like everything that he puts out it's so not like mysterious but it's like it's got a vibe and you never see his face with the music and stuff so it was like or almost surreal to like see him and hear his normal voice <laughs> you could say we took the sunglasses off the kit and kind of got to know the, the, the man wearing the glasses that's true i bet not a lot yeah. of people get to do that and if you guys want to get to know us a little better uh, there's got to be a place we could do that, right, Andrew? Do we have something for them if they wanted more, more talking with Andrew and Chris? Do, do you know of anything? I guess I could think of a couple places. Have you heard of the internet, Chris? Is that the thing everyone's fighting over these days? Uh, among other things, yeah. But uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, we're all over the internet, dude. We're on all the social media uh, sites that I know that all of you are on because, let's face it, it's 2021. At least 90% of you are on there. We're on there, too. Uh, here are our personals. Follow those. That's always fun. But even more important, I think, follow the show, please, at Talkin Podcast on all the social medias. Um, talk to us. Follow us. You know? Let us know what you want to hear, what, who you want us to talk to, what you want us to talk about. We have a lot of ideas, but we want to hear from you guys, too, so do that. Um, Chris, but when they're not talking to us, if they want content, where do they find our content? I can't remember. Yeah, don't worry. I got that covered, man. You can find us on uh, YouTube. Just type in Talking Podcast, T-A-L-K-I-N, apostrophe, no G. Uh, you can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at those places. Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, Google Play, Breaker, Radio Public. The list goes on. Every single podcasting hosting platform we are on. So that's a fact, uh, aside from SoundCloud, because they're not really a podcasting hosting platform. So if there was any discrepancy, glad I could clear that up for you. We have interviews with 
Lau of Aztec Records, who also is the home of Sunglasses Kid, as well as other synthwave artists like Arcade Nights. We have Wolf Club, which actually just came out last week. I hope you guys enjoyed that episode. We've talked with Serge, who's a Swedish synthwave artist, as well as a ton more of your favorite synthwave artists and other musicians coming down the pipeline. That's and right. Andrew and I have a couple episodes with Just Us planned. I know we did a lot of that in the beginning of the year, but then, hey, the stars aligned and I was able to book a ton of interviews, but we're going to be talking about Daft Punk. We're going to be talking about the Foo Fighters and a bunch of other stuff. Stick with us, guys. we got a whole year planned for you and Stick really excited us. to get to it. And besides all that, while you're following our show and all that other stuff, you might as well check out Chris's other show on our network called Talking TV that he does with Dom, who's not as cool as me, but he's still pretty cool. Uh, but they talk about movies and TV, and I feel like if you like Sunglasses Kids type of music, you're going to like what they talk about over at Talking TV. It's a, yeah, I think so. Thanks, Andrew. I appreciate that. Again, Dom never yeah, does that anytime. for you, so I, I think you're just too nice of a guy, but I can't fault <laughs> you for that either. So with that being well, said, hey, guys, sorry, what were you saying? I was going to say, you know, Insert it's my bit. network too, so. Uh, true. Very true. So I want I want all the shows to do well. Yeah. Thanks, man. I appreciate that. And I'm glad that ours is doing well. I'm glad that you guys, the listener, are here with us week in and week out. It really does mean a lot. It means the world to us. Uh, once again, this was another episode of Talking with Andrew and Chris. And uh, Andrew, do you have a final message for the people here today? Uh, don't swim in Crystal Lake and also stay sweet. <laughs> what a contrast there. <laughs> All right, guys, there you have it. Yet another episode of Talking with Andrew and Chris. And we just want to take a moment here to thank you guys so much for all the support you've shown this show. I mean, I'm sure you guys know, but this show is 100% creator-owned and creator-run, and quite literally, we couldn't do it without you. I mean, the fact that you guys keep coming back week in and week out is not only humbling, but it's inspiring, and, and it's a reason why we will continue to deliver upon our promise to bring you content every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And so, all we ask for you guys to do in support of this show, for free, mind you, is please head over to youtube.com slash talking with Andrew and Chris. Please click that subscribe button. For whatever video you choose to listen to, click that thumbs up. It would really help out us grow the channel. And most importantly, turn on that bell to get notified every time we post content. Again, that's every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday on YouTube at 2 p.m. And of course, on audio. You guys can find us on Spotify, Overcast, Stitcher, Google Podcast, Apple Podcast. That is Talking with Andrew and Chris. And all we ask you to do on those platforms is please click the follow button, the subscribe button, leave a review, preferably five stars, whatever the platform allows you to do. If you could throw us a little support, that would really mean the world and help us keep growing this show. Once again, guys, we appreciate you being here. Thank you so much for the support. Stay sweet and we'll see you in the next episode.